welcome to Earthling Talk with Annie the Earthling, a warm space where we talk mindfulness, spirituality, life and the wonderful, magical, challenging experience that is being an earthling on this planet we call Earth. Thank you for choosing my podcast and I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to part two of my interview with Abby Foreman. If you haven't already watched part one, then go back to the previous episode, have a listen to that, or if you can't be bothered, feel free to listen to this one too. I don't care. (laughs) Here it is. So I suppose it's um, a big part of the work I do is, is working with women to give them, build them a toolkit to help them understand what their bodies need. And understand think, where the oh sorry go on I think that like the the mental side of things and the mind side of things like it's so true that it can contribute to a vicious cycle or mm. a good cycle if you're reducing your stress then therefore reducing mm-hmm. your pain but if you're really stressed then it can be a vicious cycle and it's more pain and then you're stressed because you're in more pain and then you can't do things yeah. and it just it's such a spiral but I mm-hmm. find it so interesting that when I used to work a nine to five in a really stressful toxic environment I my pain was so much worse than it is now Mm -hmm. and so much Mm -hmm. more consistent. And the only thing I can link it back to would be stress, anxiety and like mental health. So it's, it's, it is interesting that just how, how much our mind and our thoughts can actually contribute to the way we're physically feeling and just how, powerful our mind is and how much we underestimate how that can really make an effect either good or bad a hundred percent and it 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 comes down to the feeling of safety Mm. um I think anyway and I I think again a big part of the work I do is getting the body to feel safe so giving it enough food the right types of food so the body feels like it's getting fuel and it's in a safe place in regards to an abundance of food Mm. um but also that comes down to your environment and if you're going to a job every day where maybe you don't enjoy it or Mm. stressful but also if you feel like you can't be yourself which is someone who suffers from endometriosis yeah then that's going to cause that feeling of uncertainty yeah of of anxiety um it goes with relationships as well um yeah it's it, it can it can be challenging And I think as well, now that I sort of do a bit of work for myself and work part-time for someone else, now that I have a more balanced life and I also work a lot less, I feel like I can Mm -hmm. actually socialize and I have a much more better, a a much better like work-life balance and just health outside of work. Like if I was working Mm -hmm. my nine to five stressful job, sometimes I wouldn't be able to socialize because I'd be in so much pain that whenever I wasn't at work, I was just in bed or on the couch. So just having that nine to five safety job that, you know, pays a lot more doesn't mean that I'm living a good life. And yes, my savings account was very happy with me, but my (laughs) body wasn't, my mind wasn't. And I guess it's just, yeah, so interesting that now, I feel like I actually can live more even though I earn less and work less Mm -hmm. but I feel Mm -hmm. like my quality of life has drastically improved just from 
working less and not being in such a stressful work environment as well it's it is crazy how as as women you know we are the whole movement for equality feminism or you know all of this is to be seen as equal to men yeah but I I think personally from my experience what I see what I've experienced in order to achieve what men can achieve and be on the same pay rate as what men are we have to act like men Mm. in the corporate environment the female physiology isn't taken into account in my, in my opinion it's not um, set up for us to succeed is it <laughs> no so it's just like I just don't for me there's so much we have there's so much more work and and yeah. talk and that that we have to that we have to do around that and it's not okay that we feel we have to work less in order to just kind of yeah. feel like we can socialize and, and live our optimal life mm. I mean if we want to do that absolutely but I do think it what I'm seeing there from you as well is that it it's an opportunity you know was it, it's an opportunity to get out of a job that maybe you don't enjoy that wasn't oh, contributing not just to your health but to your life overall your happiness and definitely. actually exploring something that fulfills you more so you could see it as an opportunity as well can't you yeah definitely and I think it is a blessing definitely and I now am working on my own things I've got my own little business I've got the podcast and I feel Mm -hmm. like now I can choose when to work and I love that for myself and for my endometriosis because if I'm having a flare-up then I don't want to be working or forcing myself to work because I don't, I won't produce a good episode mm-hmm. and I just won't be producing anything good. So it's, it's really nice to actually be able to choose when to work. And I think it's, it's great having your own business when, when having a condition like this, just to be able to have that choice, to be able to choose when to rest and also just the way my mind works like if I'm on I'm like cool I want to do 100 things and I just pump it all out and then I just Mm -hmm. and then other times I'm like I want to do nothing at all so it's like (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's kind of works well for endometriosis (laughs) yeah I think so I do think um we have as women I think we have the potential to work if we want to work that corporate nine to five or whatever job we're doing Mm-hmm. Um, we do have to assess our whole life um, when we're dealing with chronic pain, especially. But I mean, I suppose everybody's dealing with something. It just manifests differently in other people. But, you know, there's when we are dealing with things like endometriosis and other female health issues, we have to take a step back and assess everything like our relationships, our routine, our diet, our work life. But yeah, I do no. think if we if we give the body the raw materials the tools it needs to keep us well to do its jobs well Mm. then it can achieve amazing things it can build resiliency um so I do think we can do the job we enjoy and live the life we want to with endometriosis but it can take it, it can take a lot of self-work which is very hard for yeah. for people to dive into um and it can take 
a long time to understand that and know what the body needs and build and it's slowly building that resiliency it's not going to happen overnight it's not even going to happen in a month or two it's going to take yeah. a long time yeah um and it takes consistency yeah. yeah, it definitely, it takes a lot of work and a lot of knowledge. I feel like everyone with endometriosis becomes their own specialist and like yes. you just do so much research and there's so much misinformation out there as well that it's it's hard. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think mm-hmm. just back to the nine to five thing as well, I think it's it's also just comes down to whether the workplace is toxic or not. Like you can still, yeah, yeah you can still have a nine to five and it'd be a great place to work, but just identifying whether the work environment is actually a good place for your mental health, I think is the important mm-hmm. takeaway there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Back to the food side of things, mm-hmm. there is, and the misinformation online, there are so many nutritionists and specialists that post about cutting out food groups such as dairy and gluten which we've already touched on but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this because I see so many different opinions online that are conflicting and I think it's important to hear all different points of view but what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on dairy and also is there any food or food group that you think we should cut out if we have endometriosis or gut issues? So dairy, in my opinion, is the ultimate superfood. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect balance of carbs, protein and healthy fats. It's got your fat soluble nutrients and it's mineral rich. Now, I put out dairy for quite a few years. I was actually dairy free when I started experiencing endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically what happens is in what I see this hormone friendly diet is it can be quite restrictive so yeah you cut out gluten which I think is quite sensible especially if you're getting symptoms I I don't think it necessarily adds to anything in the diet like we've discussed the foods that it's in isn't great um and then we cut out dairy because of a lot of misinformation about hormones um, about it being inflammatory but whenever I ask someone to explain to me how dairy is inflammatory <laughs> they don't I never get a, a, yeah. a justified answer it's um, like dairy was just cancelled and yeah, yeah you, there's yeah, not a so lot true. of information on actually why there is just those keywords that people fly around and also mm-hmm. like I would have never if there wasn't all of this hype online about dairy being bad and how people with endo should be on an anti-inflammatory diet, then I wouldn't know any different. I would keep having yogurt and milk and Mm -hmm. cheese or goat's cheese. I would still keep eating that, but because it, because it's in the back of my mind that it's bad because of all this conditioning from the online Mm -hmm. world, I, I go to have a yogurt and I'm like, this is bad. And I'm like, it's not bad. I'm having healthy Greek yogurt that I like, it's just, sitting there in the back of my brain going you can't have that <laughs> I I can completely relate with that I got to a point and this was when I was qualified this was about three and a half years ago so I've been qualified for about four and a half years now and um, so this is about three and a half years ago and I got to a point where I just kept restricting so I restricted dairy and I felt good um, I never had a problem digesting dairy either I just heard it was not good because of you know, for for hormonal health and 
Yeah. Like I said, I, I started cutting out dairy what before I even um, experienced endometriosis. And then um, my endo was getting just worse. And so then I was like, okay, let's cut out more food. Like, you know, I've seen that nuts and seeds aren't great for endometriosis. Or, or what about eggs? Eggs might not be good for endometriosis. Actually, animal food in general might not be that good. So I was getting more restrictive and restrictive. Yeah. And obviously there's a there's a real problem with that in regards to our mindset around food and eating I think I think definitely yeah and there was a it got to a point where okay my symptoms would get to get better for a week or two so I'd see relief and then all of a sudden they'd come back and more symptoms would come back it was just this yo-yoing in and out Mm. and when I take a step back and look at my overall health so when I actually started studying nutrition, I slept amazingly. My digestion was great. Um, my skin was clear. I had good energy. I had good mood. I was, you know, I was ticking my health signs, the things that are that a healthy person projects. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't feel good at all. So, and I think that is what I was like, this is not why I study nutrition. These are not my values. This is not what I'm putting out to clients. I have a responsibility as a qualified registered nutritional therapist to not um, firstly be doing this to myself, but also we have to be really conscious, like I said, about the narrative and the way we talk about food and be really clear and be confident Mm. um, with the information that we're given. So, um, I took a step back and that's what really started. I feel like I had to go through that to then get to where I am now because yeah. I was like, no, I want to go back to my nutrition studies. I want to go back to learning about anatomy and physiology because any study I looked at about dairy being an issue, I was like, but why? It's still not giving me the answer why. I still don't yeah. understand how this study got to this conclusion. Um, same with meat, same with with all the other things. So yeah, meat, meat cancelled for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a whole push there with the environmental yeah, side yeah. of things as well. Um, but so I, I basically started putting nutritional biochemistry into context with the female body, with yep. anatomy and physiology, because mm-hmm. they're quite compartmentalized. OK, so, you know, you can have a study that shows X, Y, Z. But when you take a step back and look at the whole body, how how does that fit into everything? So that's mm. really what I started to do. And I started to realize that dairy specifically, um, I think I did a lot of damage by removing dairy because I was right. removing a nutrient dense food. Yeah. That is actually the only bioavailable form of calcium in the human diet, like nuts mm. and seeds and leafy greens just do not cut it. The body, yeah. first of all, finds it really hard to break those down because they're so tough and so fibrous. And then the actual amount of calcium at the or other nutrients at the end of it is just mm. it's pittance it's it's nothing so um and so what do happens you still is recommend sorry to cut you off but just with the nuts no, and okay. seeds thing do mm-hmm. you still recommend to eat that or are you saying to cut that out or just in um, moderation <laughs> in in mod in moderation so I was um I was you know the typical clean eater remove yep. dairy swap it with nut butter yeah cheese made out of nuts almond flour and these nut protein ball things and you know never in history would we have consumed that amount (laughs) of nuts um and I think you know they're very fibrous so they've got a lot of tough fiber they're known to be full of nutrients but I don't think the 
body can actually absorb and use them. Again, we yeah. can look at the nutrients in a lab. Perfect. Yeah, the food has those nutrients in, but how does the body use them? Yeah. So right. that's what we have to look at. Um, yeah. compared to something, okay, so take dairy. So some full fat milk, then you have the a, a great source of carbs that the body can easily use. You've got some available protein the body can digest straight away, and you've got some good, healthy, saturated fat that the cells are made of. And then you have your fat soluble nutrients, vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin K, and you've got an abundance of minerals like calcium specifically. Then you've got your potassium, your sodium. Mm. You've got that food there. And then you have a plant milk, which is majority majority water, like what, two to three percent ground up mushed up nuts and then usually all this other stuff as well I yeah looked on the back carabina. of my almond milk the other day and I was like holy moly there's like 20 mm-hmm. ingredients in this thing <laughs> and it's things like the carrageenan which um have been, it's been shown to be you know toxic to the digestive system same as um polyunsaturated fats are things like rich seed oil so canola oil sunflower yeah. oil those are predominant in majority of processed foods and like these nut milks and and alternative products and if if we were to cut out anything and this is for everyone not just yeah. people with endometriosis but specifically endometriosis it would be these oils these polyunsaturated yeah, fats okay, right. um these polyunsaturated fats they're very unstable they were not necessarily designed for human consumption they were used about a century ago in things like paint and emulsifiers and then when obviously the industry started to make like plastics and other chemicals that were cheaper they didn't use these oils anymore and then there was a whole production of these seed oils and it started they started to be put into our food and when you actually look at how they react to the, the cells in the body it's quite concerning so they react to oxygen heat and light so if you think about say sunflower seed and mm-hmm. you have a sunflower seeds and then you strip the shell off and immediately that shell is a protection so immediately the inside of the seeds are uh, um, exposed to light heat and oxygen so they start to oxidize and go rancid then they get go through a whole process and to make them into an oil and goodness knows how much oh light heat and oxygen they're exposed to doing that and then they're stored in usually a clear plastic bottle on a supermarket shelf for goodness knows how long yeah. and then we heat them up or do whatever we need to do with them to get them God, into food we suck <laughs> and but then suck. We, put them, we put them into our body and our body is a 37 degrees oxygen rich environment these oils are rancid and you know when you look at studies and photos of people who eat a lot of polyunsaturated fats compared to saturated fats the the cells are rigid you know the the um because of the the oxidation and it can actually inhibit our body's ability to utilize glucose. So we've got this whole thing with like diabetes and blood sugar imbalance and yeah. we're blaming the carbs. And fair enough, yes, the balance yeah. of carbs and the type of carbs, carbs we use are a problem and we need to be looking at how to eat mm-hmm. them and what to eat. Yeah. But what else are we eating? Like, yeah. it, it, is it these fats that are causing our body, uh, reducing our body's ability to actually utilize the fuel? And I always think, 
when we talk about sugar cravings and sugar is the devil and sugar's addictive, mm. is it? Because we're not going to the supermarket and getting sugar and pouring it down our neck. We're going for like the donuts and the cakes and the biscuits, the things that yeah. have these polyunsaturated fats right. and other chemically produced um, artificial mm. ingredients. If we were really, really addicted to sugar all the time, wouldn't we just be eating spoonfuls of it rather than yeah, going for the true. baked goods? Good point. Um, yeah, it is. And don't get me wrong, I think um, having too much like processed sugar in the diet is a problem as well. We, but yeah. we need to find that balance on, on carbs. Um, so if anything, I would be looking at polyunsaturated fats. And that does include, in my opinion, fish oil. And I know fish oil is a big supplement in the endometriosis world because apparently yeah. it reduces inflammation. Yeah. But again, think about it. When in history, would we as humans have consumed such a concentrated amount of omega oil or fish oil? Yeah. We, we well, would never I have had consumed just that. recently been prescribed that actually, <laughs> mm. which makes me concerned. But another question, which I'm not sure if, if this is in my list of questions that I had for you, but with the just talk on supplements, every time I have been to a naturopath, I have been given containers upon containers of supplements. Mm. And I just wanted to know your opinion on this because sometimes I'm looking at these supplements and I'm like, do I even feel different? Is this even helping me? Is this absolutely necessary that I have to take these? Because not only is it just extra effort having to swallow 10 tablets every morning, afternoon, but it's also so expensive, so <laughs> expensive. And I look at my, I look at how much it costs and I'm like, God, I'm, I'm going to have to work more to just to be able to afford to keep up with all these supplements that I don't honestly feel like they're doing a drastic amount. And I have found relief with Chinese herbs that have been blended and mixed for me, but all of these other tablets, I'm just... I'm not sure about. <laughs> so what are you, what's your thought about supplements? Like, are we getting too many? What, how do you feel about that whole world? <laughs> oh, I've wasted so much money on supplements when I think about, I've got like a supplement graveyard. Um, <laughs> it's, and yeah, I mean, fish, when I just mentioned fish oil, I used to chuck fish oil and I used to buy like expensive fish oil. And I, now I just look back and cringe at the money mm. I spent on unnecessary supplements. Yeah. I'm very much a food first approach yeah um, like there's no point in supplementing a poor diet yep, if we're if me, we're having what I'm doing right now <laughs> <laughs> and then the thing is if I if a if a woman comes to me and they're really struggling they've got like um you know they're in pain they're feeling really emotional they're feeling really down they're bloated they're just really struggling and I look at their diet and their lifestyle and there's big gaps and things we can do to work on it's mm. such a disservice if I start throwing supplements at them mm. and there's also a whole concern about um commission with supplements and and what practitioners make if yeah. if you buy them I through do them that. Mm. yeah um so I really work on getting the, the nutrient balance um and getting all of my clients to a certain place I want to see them start ticking off their health signs so like I said getting rested sleep waking up feeling rested having yeah. good mood throughout the day having good energy throughout the day going to the toilet once a day um maybe seeing their cycle come back in 
interplay a bit more regularly or having less pain but obviously that takes longer to see because we're working on a monthly basis and yeah. um, so I want to start seeing them tick those health signs off over a couple of months whilst we do work with food and lifestyle factors mm-hmm. I do use some supplements um so something like a magnesium I think can be really really helpful yeah. for someone with endometriosis because it's involved in so many um elements of kind of the detoxification of estrogen which can drive endometriosis and um, well, I am taking form, magnesium so at least that's one one good thing I wonder what form because I would recommend either glycinate or mallet as it's, a form of magnesium let me have a look it's in yeah it's right in front of me it's in a powder <laughs> and I reckon it's it's the one starting with the g <laughs> I really don't know what I'm talking about here but let me have a look Glycinate, maybe. I don't know if it even says. It just has a contain. It should on the ingredients list or on the table. Oh wow, this has a lot of ingredients. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a mix. It's got potassium. It's got magnesium citrate. Am I saying that right? (laughs) Yeah, citrate. So that's um. It's not really absorbable magnesium citrate. It's more for, it can be used for constipation. So it can help bowel movements. But again, I would want to sort of be addressing that through food and and metabolism. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, because the problem is um, nutrients and minerals, they don't work on their own. They are synergistic. Every single vitamin and mineral has a direct or indirect impact on every other vitamin and mineral like they all they all work together so when we start supplementing them one by one Mm -hmm. it can cause a whole imbalance and I think like I said I removed dairy I supplemented a whole load of different supplements and I just think I caused myself so much stress and imbalance that I am still excuse me so I've got a bit Mm -hmm. of a a cold and it keeps (laughs) it keeps coming back up but um and I'm still working to this day to kind of replenish my mineral status and get some mineral balance and vitamin balance so Mm -hmm. I am really cautious about supplementation like I said I think a magnesium can be useful and there are some other other supplements I use but I'm really cautious about them the quality of them I'm I'm really conscious about food source supplements or food based um ingredients so I try not to use synthetic nutrients because I just don't think they have the same effect on the body and I think there's a real lack of understanding of how much damage just random supplementation can actually do yeah okay yeah I respect Mm. that because I feel like every time I go to a naturopath I am like I walk out the door with 10 containers and it's Mm. I just look and I'm like oh god I feel like I, think I you need, should I feel like, I need like one yeah. of those pill organizers or something like I feel <laughs> yeah. it makes me feel like like I'm 70 years old or something yeah literally like rattling <laughs> as you're walking out with the, yeah. the office but oh, um God. I think I think we have to trust ourselves we have to trust our instincts yeah um just because someone has told us to take all of these supplements and like you said you you hit on a key point do you even feel better from them that is something we should be only taking things if we feel the difference Um, and from if there are sorry the only one I would say is probably iron because I do notice when I stop taking that I just feel completely depleted but I'm not sure whether that 
I could lean into food more and just be changing up my mm. diet a little bit to help with that or whether I actually need that extra help. I'm not sure. So this is, um, iron is a really, I know we're maybe running out of time, but I'll go into this because iron is really, really important to understand the full function. Yeah. So many women with endometriosis are told they are low in iron and when we take iron our energy comes back we feel like our moods are a little bit better yeah. um it can cause havoc on our on our digestive on our digestive um, symptoms though yeah however we are we are misunderstanding how iron is used in the body so a blood test of iron just shows iron that you know the ferritin levels and and different things that are actually in the blood but yeah. what is ignored is the fact that iron is stored in the tissues and as as just humans in general, men and women, we recycle iron. We should recycle about 24 milligrams of iron daily. Yeah. And we need about 25 to 26 milligrams of iron. So things like all the iron fortification, things like the birth control pill can contain, one of those tiny little pills can contain up to 70 milligrams of iron per pill. And then if we think about the, yeah. And then wow. if we think about the food, like the food sources of iron, why are we deficient in iron if our body should recycle 24 milligrams of iron daily? So therefore we only need one to two milligrams of iron intake. And what happens is, is when the iron is stored in the tissues, if it doesn't have the right nutrients, which involves magnesium, involves vitamin A, but retinol, not, not vitamin, not your beta carotene from carrots. It involves retinol from your dairy, your cheeses, your liver, your red meat, all things that we're told to reduce. Um, it involves bioavailable copper, which we do not have enough of. We might, you know, people say we're copper toxic. I think that's, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think we're using copper well because copper, um, comes in the for bioavailable copper comes from things like oysters liver and mm. um, shellfish which again we don't really eat enough of we can be copper toxic in a world with um synthetic nutrients and fortified nutrients because our body can't utilize that well and we essentially need the vitamin a and the copper and even things like vitamin c but whole food vitamin c not ascorbic acid from supplements whole food yeah. vitamin c from fruit and we need them to activate the iron recycling system we need them to allow the iron to be released from the the cell when the iron is stored in that tissue it can actually raise it's been shown to raise the autoimmune response it can drive estrogen production all of that is shown to actually oh great <laughs> prolifer pro yeah it's shown to proliferate the endometriosis so oh, if we're adding iron yeah. to to it we're kind of adding to that iron storage if we're wow. feeling better with iron and then we stop supplementing it that's a sign that our body isn't recycling the iron as it should be right um so yeah there's a whole there's a whole story there with issues yeah yeah I think for me endometriosis really comes down to an overall mineral kind of mineral imbalance and it, mm. everybody's endometriosis is different like mine's going to be different to yours to someone else's because yeah. it's not a blanket condition just like any health issue so mm. that's why it really has to be that personalized approach and why someone can't just remove all these foods and feel better you yeah. know there's there's deeper things to to get into there yeah definitely so I think yeah. overall what I've taken from today and I'm sure there's so much more 
to learn and so much more knowledge that you have. But what I've taken (laughs) from this is just for me to bring it back to basics a little bit more and just try and go for whole foods. And I am, and I have been thinking lately that I want to get rid of the almond milk with 30 different ingredients Mm. and just Mm -hmm. try going back to dairy and a good dairy and also Mm -hmm. just try, yeah, bring it back to basics, stop having a million supplements every morning and just seeing how I feel whilst also trying to live a balanced lifestyle and take care of myself so that everything is sort of inter-supporting each other. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's sounds absolutely what perfect. What I've taken away, my advice. Yeah. But I do think I it's important. So much more we can do. <laughs> there is, but it's one step at a time. And I do think it's a good idea to kind of remove the supplements for now and just go with some nutrition. I mean, on my Instagram account, I have plenty of information about like the, which we haven't gotten into today, but about like the balance of carbs and protein, which Mm -hmm. is really, really important. I do hold um, workshops every month. I do a workshop and I do them at different times. So the one that's coming up on the 5th of March is 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. UK time. So that might not be ideal for your time. And that's probably going to be in the middle of the night for you. Um, But I do (laughs) check it out. But I do do them in the morning UK time as well, which would be evening Australia time. So um, I do workshops which teach the foundations of the female hormone cycle and the nutrition principles um I do group coaching and I also do do one-to-one sessions if any of your listeners are are kind of interested to learn more and kind of um yeah learn more to I suppose manage their overall health and there's there's plenty of options to work with me there but I do post a lot of education content on my Instagram account I do love your Instagram I find myself scrolling on there for a really long time and trying to just soak up all of the knowledge that you have (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you I appreciate that I I also love your your content I love all your infographics and they're just so easy to read and just so many good little nuggets to take away so um, what is your Instagram handle for everyone listening so they can check you out yep it's af underscore nutrition perfect and can we book sessions through do you have a link to book sessions on your Instagram yes I do so on my yeah on my bio you can book a free discovery call it's just a 15 minute call where we have a chat about how we can work together and then from there I can book you in for a one-to-one session but you can also book onto my workshops through that link as well perfect amazing I think I need to book in for a one-to-one session (laughs) (laughs) I'd be more than happy to work with you I feel like we could talk for hours we need to do another episode to do the rest 100% (laughs) I want to learn more about um yoni steaming as well so maybe yeah yeah, we need to reschedule something else and to discuss all of this because I feel like I could learn a lot from you in regards to that too and I'd love to chat about that (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. And it's been an amazing chat. It felt like we were only talking for two minutes and it's already been an hour. (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed connecting. Thanks, Abby. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to part two with Abby. I'd love to end this episode with a nice deep breath in and a big breath out. Remember to relax your shoulders, unclench your jaw, relax your eyebrows, 
And if you want to find Abby elsewhere, you can find her on Instagram at AF underscore nutrition. I hope you have a lovely day.